Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Favor. Take a minute, turn the radio up. Take a seat in the pastor's office. Right. the frequency, tune in. Get a word with Reverend Jonathan Mason. Oh, yes, you should. Take a minute, turn the radio up. And take a seat. Hey, Philly's favorite listeners, it's Pastor Jonathan Mason, and I want to welcome you back into the pastor's office uh, this Sunday afternoon. All right, listen, we're in the second week of Lent. How are you doing with your fast? Stick to it. And always remember what I shared with you last week. Take the time that you would have otherwise spent with whatever activity that is that you've turned down for these 40 days and make sure you spend that time gaining a more intimate relationship with our Father who is in heaven. Uh, that's what Lent's all about. It's, about. it's about turning away from distraction and allowing yourself to build that stronger relationship so that when these 40 days are over, uh, you come out of it renewed, refreshed, revigorated, reinvigorated, and ready uh, to take the next steps in your life. So I pray that your fast is going well. Uh, We're going to have some pastors on next week to talk to you about Lent uh, and to talk to you about this march towards Calvary. We can't be a gospel station without spreading the good news of the gospel. Uh, So we appreciate appreciate all uh, that you're doing uh, in this season uh, to make you a better you. Listen, listen, listen. Uh, uh, We have been in this pandemic uh, since I believe the first reported cases uh, of COVID were around November, December of 2019. Uh, The shutdowns and, and all of the restrictions started in March of 2020. We have been dealing with this for a long time. Now it looks like there is some attempt to return to normalcy. It's not going to happen overnight, but it happens through a period of time. And so as we start looking at various cities and states that are changing their mask mandates, changing their social distancing requirements. Uh, As we look at all of the updates from the CDC, uh, I wanted to go back to one of our greatest resources. Uh, She has been with us now on five different occasions throughout this pandemic, sharing information uh, and helping us to understand how to navigate uh, uh, this maze that has been the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, That being said, I want to welcome back into the pastor's office, the health commissioner of Philadelphia, Dr. Cheryl Bettigo. Dr. Bettigo, welcome back. 
Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, listen, again, as I always say to you, we really appreciate uh, the time that you provide to us to talk to our listeners and give them information uh, about this pandemic. And and I will say this to you, Dr. Bettigo, I'm looking for the day, looking forward to the day when we can meet up again and talk about something other than this pandemic. <laughs> That would be wonderful. So, so let's 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 get it started. Uh, I was reading a couple articles uh, just last week uh, about the mask mandates in the schools, uh, about there being a relaxing of the mask mandates in schools. Why don't you share with our Philly's favorite listeners right at this moment? Where are we with masking in schools? So, as of yesterday morning, um, Philadelphia's schools are no longer required to have all the kids and staff, everybody in the schools, mask. Um, there are a couple of exceptions to that. Because of what we know happens over vacations, we've asked that everybody mask for a week after spring break. We know everybody's going to probably travel. They're going to see family and friends. They're going to get together with a lot of people. We don't want to have another surge in schools and end up closing schools. So one week after spring break, we'll have um, everybody mask. And the other exception is right now there's still a federal mandate for Head Start. So any programs that include Head Start would still have masking. But everybody else, you know, it's optional. There'll be some kids, some teachers who are going to be more comfortable with a mask on. That is absolutely fine. But we're no longer requiring those masks. You know, it's interesting to me, uh, Dr. Bittergold, my son Jackson, um, he's 11 years old. And I shared with him, I said, hey, man, you don't have to wear masks at school anymore. And you know what he told me? He says, Nah, Dad, I think I want to keep on wearing it. I want to wear it when I go to class. I'm going to wear it when I play basketball. Uh, and so I want to be clear as we listen to your explanation there. It's okay if the kids still put their mask on. It's okay if the teachers still wear their mask. It's okay if you feel that that's going to keep you protected and safe. Absolutely. This is going to take some time. And it may be that your son and, and other kids who prefer to keep their mask on in class, maybe he'll take it off when he's hanging out with his friends. And that's a good place to start. But yeah, nobody has to take their mask off. I want to be clear about that. This is about no longer saying they have to keep it on. So, so let me ask you this. Uh, what led towards the decision? Was it the relaxation that came from the CDC? Was it the, was it the COVID numbers that you've been tracking here in the city of Philadelphia? How did we come to this decision? Because there are still some communities around the country that are still requiring masks in various places in the community. I mean, talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. So it's a couple of things. One is our local numbers. And, you know, our, our average number of cases in the city is now down to 58. Now, we know some people are doing their testing at home, so we won't know about every case in the city. But we're still getting more than 4,000 results a day. So we're still getting a lot of the results and really not seeing very much disease activity right now in Philadelphia. Hospitalizations are also way down. The other thing we looked at, you know, a lot of places relaxed mask mandates before we did. And so we looked to see what happened in those places. And we are not seeing a rebound. We're not seeing cases go back up as these mask mandates relax. I think, you know, through a combination of vaccination levels, um, immunity, so many people got Omicron, of course, uh, you know, and, and as the disease level goes down, it just becomes safer for all of us. So we looked at both of those things and decided that at this point, it's safe to roll that mask mandate back. Okay. All right. So let's 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 move from the schools real quick. Let's talk about other public spaces, uh, restaurants, 
movie theaters, uh, other public spaces within the city, are we pulling the mask mandates back for those type of uh, locations? That's right. So we're not requiring masks in indoor public spaces right now in Philadelphia. Now, again, that doesn't mean people can't wear a mask if they're more comfortable. And if you're in a crowded indoor space, you know, especially if you are higher risk or if you have family members who are higher risk, you might still choose to wear that mask in crowded indoor spaces, but it's no longer required. And and, and I just want to just kind of do the checklist so we give our, our listeners good information. What about public transportation, airports, et cetera? Right. So the places that you do still have to mask are congregate settings, meaning nursing homes, prisons, um, healthcare institutions, any kind of healthcare, whether it's a hospital or a clinic, um, even a vaccine clinic, you would need to mask there. Public transportation still has a, a mask requirement. I believe that was just extended till April 18th. Um, and that includes Uber, Lyft, taxis, you know, it includes those kinds of transport as well as local transportation. So those, those spots, you still need a mask. Um, but, you know, movie theaters, malls, theaters, um, unless they have their own mask requirement, which some of them do, you would not need to mask. And, of course, businesses can choose, institutions can choose to keep mask requirements in place if they want to. So what is your, so, you know, as, as we've talked in the past, I pastor a church here in Philadelphia. Many of us have met and had conference calls about how we're going to handle uh, this relaxation of requirements, uh, because in most churches, we've still exercised social distancing. We've still exercised masking. We've actually still exercised using sanitizer when you walk into the facility. As a matter of fact, Dr. Bettigo, some churches are still virtual. What would you say to those in the faith community? Are we able to freely say now, listen, if you want to bring your congregations back, if you want to relax social distancing and masking, it's not a problem. Do it. But it's totally up to you. That's really where we're landing. So we're not, um, we're not requiring anybody to remain remote or to require masks at services. Um, it's okay to have food at services if you have, you know, a, a repast afterwards. That's all fine, and you can do that indoors. It's probably a good idea to continue thinking about ventilation, hand sanitizer, you know, reminding people that staying home when you're sick is still really useful. So, you know, all those things. And, of course, with congregations, you want to keep in mind that you may have many older congregants or, or people with, uh, you could have somebody in the congregation with cancer, somebody who's immunosuppressed. So some people are still going to want to keep a mask on for a whole variety of reasons. And that, again, is fine. But, yeah, if you want to come back together, if you want to be able to eat together again, all those things that, you know, bring us joy, that is fine. Outstanding news. You're listening to Philly's Favor 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. Uh, we are listening to Philadelphia's greatest resource when it comes to information uh, around the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, that is our health commissioner, uh, Dr. Cheryl Bettigold. Dr. Bettigold, uh, as always, I thank you for your time and, and giving us this great information. So just a couple of things I wanted to discuss while we're here with you this afternoon. Uh, are we at the stage with the pandemic, where we can actually move from pandemic to endemic? Uh, is, uh, do we see that time coming anytime soon? So I, I'm not a huge fan of the endemic description because, you know, when we think in public health about the word endemic, it really means, I mean, you know, people have used it to mean it's low level, it's not interfering with daily life, but it also kind of means 
we're still going to live with this. And that may be true, but we talk about, for example, endemic polio. So, you know, I think people see endemic as good. It's not entirely good. Um, But I would say we're trying to move to normalcy. We're trying to move back to the things we enjoy in life um, and, and away from this time when we had to live with all these restrictions, being mindful that we could have another wave. We could have another variant. So, you know, we want to stay alert, pay attention to to the news, you know, be aware that there might be times over the next year or two that we have to go back to masks, for example, for a little while, hopefully not for very long. But um, so don't throw your masks up. Um, but at the same time, enjoy the times when disease level is relatively low, when we can get together and remember all the things we love to do together um, and really, really enjoy that. Uh, right now, because I think this is a really good time. Great credit goes to you and your team uh, for getting Philadelphians vaccinated. Uh, Clearly, the vaccines have worked and are working. Uh, The question that I always raise when you and I talk uh, is, do we believe that we're going to be getting boosters on the vaccine for the foreseeable future? I think the jury's still out on that one. We know we may need another booster. I'd love to see this find its way into primary care offices, pharmacies as the major way we do this, rather than, you know, us standing up clinics, all, all, all these kind of emergency clinics. Um, and I think that's really the wave of the future. You know, when and if we need another booster, I think we, we don't have that information yet. We may at some point, but, you know, my hope is that people will be able to do that in conversation with their doctor um, rather than having to wait in lines or, you know, seek out a special clinic. Dr. Bettigo, it has been a long journey. Uh, I'm sure for you it's it's caused many sleepless nights as you're responsible and have been responsible uh, for the citizens of Philadelphia. How does it feel personally to kind of see us moving back towards a sense of normalcy? Do you feel a sense of accomplishment, a, a sense of relief? T- tell me how you're feeling. I, you know, I always worry because it's kind of my job to worry about our city. But I do feel a sense of optimism that Philadelphians will get a chance to be together in person in a way that I think will help heal us. I think there, there's just a lot of good that happens when people interact face-to-face that's just hard without that interaction. And I think a lot of the unkindness, for lack of a better term, that we see between people, you know, all the social media stuff, and it, I think a lot of that has its roots in us just not being connected. Um, so I am feeling optimistic that Philadelphians will be able to gather, be able to get back together, be able to have joy in their lives again. And it's really great to be able to say that out loud to you and to your listeners. Listen, we've we've had several conversations, and they always they have not always been as optimistic. And I, I'm just thankful uh, for all of the work uh, that has been done to 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 take control of this pandemic. And and one other thing before we go, I do think, and, 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 I, and I like what you said about this going to pharmacies and going to primary care physicians, but Dr. Bettigo, we cannot overlook uh, all of the service organizations that stepped up over these last oh, two absolutely. years to host uh, vaccination clinics, testing clinics, uh, the Black Doctors Consortium, which is, is, has, has grown by leaps and bounds yeah. as a result of this. I mean, talk a little bit about how Philly came together 
to, to, to really get COVID under control. Absolutely. And that cannot be stressed enough. You know, the Black Doctors Consortium, our hospital partners really stepped up, community clinics, our pharmacists. You know, I, I couldn't possibly name everybody. But, you know, one of the stories I love is that there is an individual pharmacist who works for a chain pharmacy who has been doing home visits to get people their boosters because she realized there was a problem. And, you know, like person after person in our city who is stepping up in different ways, people, you know, going out and grocery shopping for elderly neighbors in the heart of the worst part of the pandemic. I mean, this has been our whole city. And, you know, Philly should be clapping itself on the back collectively because it really has been amazing to see. You know, when I think about it, I, I, and I'm, I'm going to recommend this to, to some of our council peoples, we need to have a Philly-wide uh picnic celebration something yeah. when this thing really breaks because because you know I, I think about the first clinic we did at my church and and I'll never forget there was a young lady I say young lady uh, that's relatively speaking but she was 86 years old <laughs> she had not been out of her house wow. she had not been to church had not seen family when they put that needle in her arm Tears started to run down her eyes, and she was just so thankful to God that she would soon be able to hug her grandchildren again. I mean, we've got stories like that all across the city. All over. It's, all over. It's amazing. It really is amazing. So as difficult as this has been, there really are some great testimonies. Yeah, there really are. And you've been part of it. I mean, you've used your your pulpit to get the word out, and I'm really deeply grateful for all the work you've done. Well, listen, we appreciate it. And as, as I said earlier, and I've said it again, uh, I appreciate your availability uh, because I know how your schedule has been uh, in dealing with this, but you've always made yourself available to us. And so I say thank you to you. Thank you to your team, uh, many of whom I've gotten to know uh, over these last couple of years. And now, like I said, I hope we can pivot and start doing some other great things uh, in our community uh, as we continue to keep an eye on the pandemic. There's so many other things that we can do together. So Dr. Bettigall, thank you for coming into the pastor's office and we'll be talking to you again real, real soon. It's a pleasure. Stay safe. Bye-bye. Philly's favorite listeners, don't you dare leave your radio dial or leave the app. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. Philly's favorite listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. And we want to thank uh, the Philadelphia Health Commissioner, Dr. Cheryl Bettigal, for joining us this afternoon uh, and giving us, as she always does when she joins us, some great information uh, about how we're moving forward and prayerfully out of uh, this pandemic over the next several months. Uh, but I wanted to pivot right now uh, and welcome in a first-time guest to the pastor's office. I'm very excited. Excited. Uh, I was reading about her uh, a couple weeks ago, and I shared with our producers that I wanted to have this young lady on our show uh, so that we could learn a little bit about her and some of the great things that she's working on. She is the first Muslim elected to the Delaware General Assembly. Uh, uh, she's, a, she's, she's a powerhouse, y'all, uh, and you're going to enjoy getting to know her. So let me Welcome into the pastor's office this afternoon, Representative Medina Wilson-Anton. Representative Wilson-Anton, welcome to the pastor's office. Thank you for having me. 
Well, listen, uh, uh, this is your first time with us, and, and we just have good old conversation here. So 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 feel comfortable. Grab you a, a little cup of tea or something if you like, and let's just talk <laughs> a little bit. Uh, uh, the first thing I wanted to do was just find out a little bit about you. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how you ended up in politics. Sure. So um, I'm just, I'm 28 years young, I'll say, and I'm from the Newark area here in Delaware, um, which is the area I grew up in and the area now that I represent. Um, I'm one of six girls. Obviously, I'm a young Muslim woman, and I was introduced to politics um, through an internship, actually, while I was a student at the University of Delaware. And that internship really opened my eyes to the possibilities for of what state politics and government can do in the lives of Delawareans. And it was that experience that really inspired me to get involved and share my own voice and concerns um, on behalf of my community. So just a little bit over a year ago, I was elected. Um, and so I've been, you know, I'm trying to be a quick study and, and learn how things work from this perspective now that I'm elected, but also to get some things done. And, and um, I've been blessed to get a few things done so far, but I'm looking forward to doing a lot more in the coming year. Now, now I, I mentioned this in my intro that you are the first Muslim to be elected to the Delaware General Assembly. Now, a lot of times, and I'm sure you've been asked, you know, did you face any racism as you were running? Did you, you know, what obstacles were faced? Uh, you know, all we'll move. We'll talk about that another time. Here's what I really want to know: how does how does your background impact some of the policy decisions that you're making and some of the issues that you're working on? Absolutely. Um, and I appreciate you asking the kind of the more positive side of that question. Absolutely. Um, so one of one of the, my most proud achievements so far has been uh, the passage of HB 163, which was a bill that was brought to me by someone in the community who knew me from before I ran for office. And she came to me because she trusted me and she asked me a question. You know, what? how do, how do we handle students that want to um, leave school for an important religious holiday that's not being observed by that school? And, you know, I didn't know the answer to the question, so I learned some information, got back to her, and we decided we were going to do something about that at the state level. And so that was actually my second piece of legislation that was passed my first year in office, which was a bill to ensure that all students, regardless of their background, are able to observe their religious holidays without missing out on important school um, assignments like exams and presentations. Um, And it's also an opportunity for us to introduce teachers and administrators to the diversity and, and that beautiful diversity of our different communities across the state. And I've, I was really touched to hear from parents who reached out after the bill passed um, with their experiences and how they noticed the difference in how the school was operating. Um, so that's just one example, because with that situation, I actually, I experienced it myself as a student when I was in high school, where I would choose to go to school on an important holiday because I didn't want to miss out on something. And I remembered what it felt like. So I try to bring that experience with me to the building. Um, And it's not just bringing up issues that are important to me or my community, but also adding a different perspective to conversations about issues that impact all of us, but maybe in different ways. And one of the things that was interesting to me, uh, Representative Wilson Anton, is that, you know, the 26th district itself uh, is a very diverse district. Uh, and for yeah. our Phillies' favorite listeners that don't know, I mean, tell us a little bit about your district. Yeah, so we are about 10 minutes, 15 minutes from the Christiana Mall. So your listeners might be familiar with our mall, tax-free shopping. Um, 
But it's a suburban area that's really um, exploded in the past 30 years. And it's a majority-minority district. So we have um, a lot of white folks, but we have a lot of African-Americans and African immigrants, a lot of Hispanic folks, and a lot of Asian people. Um, and our district actually, in the 2010 census, had the highest um, number of foreign-born residents. And like I said, I grew up here. So I grew up around that diversity. And it really, I think, impacted the way I see the world, um, the, the way that I approach issues. Um, and, it, and it really, it's a beautiful thing, I think. And it's, it's really exciting to me that we have more diverse voices representing kind of the future of our, of our state, of our country, um, in the halls of power. So it's, it's very exciting to me. Um, and if your listeners, you know, are interested, we're very welcoming to folks. Um, so I hope you come down and check out our district, try some of the delicious food here in the local businesses. Um, and again, it's all tax free. Well, listen, the, the one thing I will share with you is that Philly's favor on our 100.7 frequency and on 99.5 HD3 is very strong in your district. So we've got listeners all throughout Delaware, and, and some of them are listening to their representative today. So I think that's pretty, pretty cool. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about relative to you being young in politics is that you kind of came into it in the middle of a pandemic. Now, Mm -hmm. with all of the legislative issues and agenda items that you wanted to attack, the pandemic has kind of been the overarching issue of the day for almost two and a half years now. I mean, tell us how you you dealt with that coming in as a new uh, representative in the Assembly. That's a great question. Yeah. So when I first decided to run, I was not anticipating this. I don't think any of us really were. Um, and like you said, it changed just changed the way we lived, changed the world. Um, so when I came in, I was I was kind of learning. Okay, what's the legislator's role in this? Because in Delaware, it was really the governor that was taking charge and setting you know rules and guidelines and things like that. I would say um, one of the most uh, frequent things people reached out to us about was unemployment assistance, and that really became unemployment assistance and rental. Um, Uh, assistance became the two biggest things that we were helping folks with through our office. So whenever I would send out communications, um, we were sharing information on those two things, how to, how to get your assistance. If you're having trouble, how to reach us so we can help you through it as well as, you know, COVID testing locations and things like that. So that really, like you said, it took priority. It, It took, you know, the focus, but now that we're kind of, hopefully, God willing, getting out of it. The other really important thing that we're seeing here in Delaware and and nationwide is the housing affordability shortage that we have. So that's something that I've been really learning a lot about and trying to think of solutions to it. We just, we don't have enough units right now in Delaware for everyone who needs one. And so I'm trying to think of creative ways for us to create some more units, as well as to get people more money in their pockets so that they can actually afford um, these spaces. So housing is one of those issues that touches all of us. So that's that's really been my passion area. Yeah. And, and, and as you said, this is an issue that's impacting communities all across the country. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and now with inflation uh, going uh, to higher levels than many of us have ever seen with, with gas going up to $5. In some places I've seen $5.50, $5.60 a gallon. Mm-hmm. All of these things impact 
the money that's left in people's pockets to be able to afford not just to live, but to buy food and, and, and to be able to take care of the issues that their children have to deal with. Uh, it, it, you are legislating, Representative Wilson, Anti, in a very difficult time. Yes, you're right. You're right. But I think, you know, as, as difficult as it is, I'm I'm optimistic because I think, you know, there's so many people that care about these issues that their hearts are in the right place and their minds are in the right place um so i'm really optimistic that we're going to get some creative solutions put together and now that we're back in the building um they've they've dropped a lot of the restrictions when it comes to covid and who can come into legislative hall and actually talk to us in person we're having committee meetings in person next week for the first time since i've been elected so i think this is all, it's all really good. We're in a good spot to really come together, have really important conversations and come to some solutions. And Delaware's legislature is in session until the end of June. So we still have a few months where we can really get some important bills passed. That'll help a lot of people. What's it like trying to work across the aisles in, uh, in this partisan environment? Mm. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's interesting. If you had asked me that maybe two days ago, my answer might be different, but yesterday we had a, a really interesting um, scenario with the the legalization of marijuana, which was looking like it was going to be bipartisan and and ended up being partisan and and not being successful. So my perspective on it is is evolving. I'm I'm still new to it, um, but I will say that the ecosystem in Delaware's legislature is a lot more collaborative than what we see down in D.C. Mm. And I think that's part of why I'm optimistic about what we can get accomplished, because we do have conversations across the aisle and within our party. We have we have a very diverse party. Um, and so, you know, those conversations are happening. There's respect. There's mutual respect, I will say. Um, and that's key to really getting to the bottom of, of some of these issues. I don't always agree with uh, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, but I try to hear them out. And I think that they hear me out as well. And so that's been a pleasant part of all this. Now, one of the things, you know, with fossil fuel being at the top of headlines right now, uh, I noticed that you were working on a green amendment. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Sure. So the green amendment is something I'm working on that's kind of a, a marathon. So it's it's a amendment to our state's constitution, and it would add to our state's Bill of Rights a right to clean air, clean water, and a clean environment for all Delawareans and for future generations. And so, I mean, I think this is something that all of us are interested in, right? Environmental sustainability, protecting the environment, protecting what God has given us to be stewards of. But also as someone who's young, you know, it's really a front of mind for my generation thinking about how are we, how are we protecting the environment for future generations? Um, and so this is something I've been working on. And, and back to your last question about um, bipartisanship and working across the aisle, in order to get this passed, I need Republican support. And so over the past few months, that's what we've been working on is, is meeting with different stakeholders, meeting with colleagues that I might disagree with on other issues, but trying to see if we can get them to agree with us on this one. Um, so this will be successful. And so it'll help a lot of different Delawareans, not just now, but in the years to come. How's your family adjusting to uh, life with a a busy politician? I mean, how's that impacting your personal? Mm, That's a good question. So 
Uh, I, let me think about that. I mean, <laughs> one thing that I have noticed is, so when you get elected to state office, you get mail that says address to the honorable. Right, right. <laughs> and my, I'll say my family has kept me humble in that my sisters, I mentioned I have five sisters, my younger sisters, when I come home, they, they call me stinky. You know, they call me pet names and things like that. But some others might call me the honorable. I'm not getting that treatment at home. Um, <laughs> that's fine, though. <laughs> and uh, and I live close by in my family. So we spend a lot of time together. And, and I'll tell you, because they're my constituents, that just because they're family doesn't mean that they aren't asking me for things um, about, you know, policy change. My mom works in early childhood, and so she'll come to me with policy ideas and different things that she needs for her clients to help them with through issues they're dealing with. So I think everybody's, you know, working, working through it. Um, and I appreciate the fact that they come to me and, and share their perspectives on things. And um, I think that's been a, a big part of my success is, is hearing from different perspectives, even within my family. Well, you know what, hearing from different perspectives, but what I also like is that they keep you humble. Uh, and, and, and you know what, when you're out here on a daily basis, uh, dealing with all different types of people in all different types of situations. It's good to be able to go home to family and uh, the folks you, that knew you when uh, and still know you today and, and, and be able to just be yourself around them. That's so important. I, I talk to my congregation all the time about being able to just work on self-care. And when you're in a hustle and bustle environment like politics, self-care is critical. Absolutely. Well, Representative Medina Wilson-Anton, it has been my pleasure uh, to get to know you, and I'm sure that our Phillies' favorite listeners have enjoyed learning more about you. And as I shared, many of your constituents uh, listen to this radio station. So first, thank you for coming in and giving us your time. But secondly, why don't you share with our listeners how they can engage with you via web, uh, social media, phone. Let, let, let them know how they can get in touch with their representative. That's a great question. So your listeners can reach out to our office, 302-577-5190. You can also reach out to us via email. Um, you can email me at medina.wilsonanton at delaware.gov. We're also on Facebook, and so you can just search my name, Representative Medina Wilson Anton, and follow us on Facebook. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Medina for DE. DE is for Delaware. And I, I look forward to engaging with everybody in whatever medium you'd like. And thank you so much for inviting me to speak with you today. Thank you for coming in the pastor's office. And as I say to all of our elected officials, we're praying for you. Uh, and we want you to know that if we could ever use these airwaves to help move a cause forward that'll be beneficial to folks of Delaware, to the folks of Pennsylvania, we're right here for you, ma'am. So best of luck to you as you continue to go forward and make the lives of the people you serve better. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.